Welcome back to The Perfect Fit, and welcome back to Benj, who took last episode off, but he is back for this one. A little side note, if you haven't checked out the last episode with Amy Hutchinson as she talks about breath work, I encourage you to do so. It is a new topic that I wasn't very familiar with, but was able to learn some cool new things, and I hope you enjoy that episode. On today's episode, we are talking about recovery. It is one of the most overlooked aspects of fitness and something that just doesn't get talked about enough. Some of the topics that we are discussing are why recovery is important, certain recovery methods, a few methods that we believe are overrated and just not worth as much time as people devote to them, and are you exercising too much and not giving your body enough time to rest and recover, which could be stalling your progress and your results. I hope you enjoy this episode. What's up, man? Hey, man. How's it going? Long time no see. It's been a little while. When, when was the last podcast for January. us? January. No way. Yeah, it was January. I think it was. We did the we did the three in a row. Yeah, we did the little series, mini series. Right. How's life? Good, man. Uh, topic today is gonna be relevant. Like, <laughs> I'm not tired like all the time. Because you are getting zero sleep. It is rough. Uh, but everyone's good. Everyone's healthy. Yeah, good, healthy. Um, almost to what are we at? Like five weeks. So he's he's already a month old, which is hard to believe, but. Yeah, things are leveling leveling out. That's good. How's how's Jack as a big brother? How's he's he, good. How's... His uh, first week was a little rough, but he's he's gotten used to it now. He's he's soft and gentle now, whereas before he was just like, you know, poking and like wanting to look at his eyes and stuff. So what is, what is this? Yeah, it's, uh, it was a fun fun first week. Yeah, but well, at least you can kind of hopefully get back to a decent sleep routine, all that good stuff. <laughs> Yep. No, we have. I've. That's been the biggest thing, man, is like you get the sleep that you can, so you go to bed early. Like I've been going to bed, uh, I think I went to bed like 8.28 the other day, which is, you know, weird, but you take it. Sounds like me, honestly. But yeah, all right. Well, like you said, today's topic is going to be on recovery. Uh, I think it's a very important topic that is overlooked and very underrated in fitness and honestly for me personally like in my clients it's been something that's come up on the regular uh the fact that they are not recovering enough mm -hmm. all right and so we're going to talk about that today uh so why is recovery important basically and we're going to get into some scientific terms here early on in the beginning but it's just to kind of give you an idea of what recovery does for us so basically our body likes to stay in a homeostasis, which is basically a state of balance, which our body regulates to help just keep all our conditions stable, all right? But when we put stress on our body, whether that's through exercise or there's different types like heat, cold, um, you know, through working out, there's, there's dehydration, there's muscle soreness, there could be pain, or then even just emotional, like through everyday life, we deal with anxiety, stress. Those types of stresses are going to cause our body to go out of that homeostasis. 
okay? So our body needs to recover in order to get us back to that state. Uh, so that is why recovery is so important, okay? And we're going to talk about some of the ways that we neglect our recovery and are we doing too much and uh, different methods. And then we're going to talk maybe about a controversial one that I really want to talk about is overrated methods of recovery. Okay. And uh, that might cause a little bit of, you know, controversy, but just one man's opinion. Okay. So uh, what I want to get into, first of all, and this is probably the most common thing I've seen, at least with my clients of late, is they're exercising too much and they're not seeing results. And people are going to be like, well, how can you exercise too much? Well, if you have too much training volume, as in, let's say you are doing working out or something seven days a week, you're not giving your body enough time to recover. You're not going to get results. Right. right? And one thing, at least on a personal level, uh, and you know, the, they just assume like, well, especially if the goal is to lose fat, I need to do as much as I possibly can, but they neglect the recovery aspect, which is probably to me a little bit more important because if I can't recover, then my workouts, et cetera, they're not, <laughs> they're not going to be optimal, right? They're not going to be good workouts. Uh, so I've had conversations of late of, Clients who have, you know, we've got our certain work days that we work out Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Well, then they do a workout on Tuesday night and then they come in Wednesday and they can't, they can't do the workout well because of the fact that they have been doing so much throughout the week. And so it's, it's a little frustrating, but trying to get people to actually take rest and recovery seriously uh, I think is something that's undervalued and underappreciated and something that just people probably don't think about. Uh, so what are your experiences with clients in that regard? Uh, I know that I always ask how many hours of sleep are you getting? You know, that's common, yeah. uh, which sometimes we can't help that based on obviously different, uh, you know, like for yourself, the point of life that you're in right now, it's tough, but if you can control those things and you don't, uh, don't expect to get the results right. that you're looking for. So what are your experiences with dealing with clients and talking about rest and recovery? Um, well, one, I feel like there's two different, you, you have two different types of clients, the ones that will work out six and seven days a week and they want to go like crazy. And I feel like on the other side, you've got those people that will work out two and three times a week, but still on their downtime, neither one of those parties are doing anything to recover. Right. So no, it, constant running conversation. In fact, I sent out my like a check-ins today. And like one of the main questions I'm always asking is how much sleep are you getting? Okay. And just because they were getting enough three weeks ago, doesn't mean this week went the same way and that we should treat the training the same way. So yeah. I think even just taking note of that, you know, on, on yourself week to week, as your schedule changes, the, the demands of your job, or family changes, realizing that your rest if it's swinging from five hours of sleep to nine hours of sleep, like your training should adjust to that as well, or at least your expectations of what that training look like will. Right. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's a constant running conversation because uh, it, it impacts um, the training. Um, you know, we'll get into this. I'm sure later, like the nutrition as well, what's been going on there is going to impact that recovery 
Um, but, but rest is a big one is understanding how much sleep they're getting, what they should be getting. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a big fan of the kind of concept of doing the least amount of work that you can do workout wise and still getting results because yeah. most that way you one year prior prioritizing recovery but then two if we do want to increase your work volume we have the room to do so yep. instead of starting so big with let's say the individual who works out six seven days a week recovery is not good enough you know then they're not getting results so then plan b is i need to do more on top of what they're already doing which is a lot and most people need to take the step back focus on the recovery and then they'll see those results coming even if they are doing less work yeah their volume uh you know days of you know how many days a week do you work out etc so i'm a big fan of keeping it less is the less is more uh idea right and uh, i pulled this uh quote from a guy who wrote this book his name's chip, chip conrad is like doing more before doing better is just poor training Right. So we, we, we need to take the, the minimal amount of work that we're doing now and just do really well in that, focus on recovery, and then increase our workload instead of massive amount of workload, poor training, probably overall, recovery is bad. Yeah. So we're I, not going to I'm sorry. I was, I was going to say, like, as far as clients, too, have you not come across, you pick up client you find out they've been training six and seven days a week it's kind of shocking once they if they will trust you if they will go to train two and three days a week but protect that recovery time yeah. how much better everything gets they can take in more calories and still yeah. lose weight they can train less and still lose weight and strength whereas they thought training seven days a week was the way and yeah. if that work we slash calories but really like you're saying less is more like i People would be surprised if they scale back and take care of their body outside of the gym, just how much it'll affect what they're going to go into like with the gym the next day. Right. Yeah. And I, I, another thing I want to talk about along those lines is, you know, let's say you do have scheduled, you know, rest days, whether, you know, you wrote them down for a client or just a person in general who's working out, you know, Wednesday is my rest day. Okay. A lot of times that I've, I've been there as well. I get to my rest day and I'm like, Oh, I'm feeling really good. Yeah. Like I actually do feel good today. What about what I sh probably should go train because I'm feeling so good. But a lot of those problems is, is that that workout that you do in place of, you know, your rest day might have an impact on the rest of your workouts down the, down the road for that week. And so my suggestion is if you have a rest day, especially that's planned in your training program, just take it. Yep. Right. And, We'll talk about this later, but like, what I mean, take the rest day. I don't mean sit on the couch all day, right? Um, right. That's... But in focus on certain things that we will talk about upcoming. But you know, take that rest day, uh, and also go off by feel, like how you were talking about how you may have the wide spectrums of five hours of sleep versus nine hours of sleep. If you get five hours of sleep and you're supposed to be in the gym the next day, you know, <sighs> my suggestion is. I probably want to go in the gym. That would just be me because I know some people are like, yeah, well the, the workouts that you do that you don't want to do end up being the best ones. Well, yeah. uh, you flip a coin, right? Yeah. 
it could end up being a really crappy workout, which then you're bummed about. And now it's going to impact you down the road. So to me, it's just, if, if you're not feeling it, my suggestion is take that day off. Yeah. Reset, recover. It's one, use one day to recover so that your next three workouts are amazing. Yeah. Instead of getting in one, you know, terrible workout. Yeah. And then crashing out the next three. It's the same thing. Like I'll, I'll be the old man here. Like, know that my kids i don't know what the schedule is going to be for the next two or three days i don't go to bed at 8 30 or 9 because i want to today it's in preparation of i don't know what's coming up so i know i need to for now yeah. so I'm ready to go on the days where the goes up right. and thing with the gym take your recovery days they're there for a reason exactly all right so we're going to now talk about like recovery methods and uh you obviously sleep is one of the big ones uh Optimal sleep, probably for most people, seven to eight hours. Yeah, I was going to say. I would say is kind of that sweet spot. Uh, some people can survive on less. I don't know how, <laughs> but uh, they can. But I would say for most people, get that seven to eight if you can. And make an effort to, you know, if you can, set a time. I'm going to go to bed at 10. I'm going to wake up. You know, get, get your body in that routine uh, as well as much as you possibly can. Uh, yeah. and, then you, and then you mentioned nutrition. All right, nutrition is the big one. And I know just off of personal experience as well as client's experience that if I don't eat well, I don't feel good. My energy is low. My performance in the gym takes a hit, right? But if I'm eating great, I'm eating good foods, healthy, whole foods, uh, I feel better. Uh, energy is up, you know, and my performance in the gym is much better as well. Oh, absolutely. Like, I mean, we've all been there. Eat, eat clean for seven days, eat really clean, and then go hit up whatever McDonald's Ugh. and try to work out after that, or even the next day. You're going to feel yeah. a difference based on the foods that you put into your body. Yeah. Um, but yeah, nutrient dense food is what I always turn to. I don't. I shouldn't like say clean foods or good or bad foods, but nutrient dense, um, not just high, not calorie dense, yeah. but yeah, things that are going to fuel your body, replenish, you know, um, what am I trying to say? Nutrient dense, replenish your body, replenish your know, vitamins, proteins, carbs, fats, all that stuff we discussed two or three podcasts ago. Yeah. And I think people need to think of too, like not only are you, what you eat in the day is preparing you obviously for the day that you have, but it's also preparing you for the next day. Mm -hmm. Right. You can't just think of what I eat as a 24 hour window. You know, I also think of like, what are you for lunch today? What are you for dinner tonight is going to affect me tomorrow. Yeah. Your right? sleep. Yeah. It's yeah. going to affect my sleep. It's going to affect how I feel in the morning, how I go to work, what kind of amount of energy I have, all that sort of stuff. So, you know, you kind of have to look at it as a whole instead of just the 24-hour period that you have. Uh, you know, what I eat tonight for dinner is going to affect how even my workout is tomorrow morning, right? Yep. So you got to look at it that way as well. Um, and then I want to talk about active recovery. I don't know if you have your people kind of throw in some active recovery, but to me – this is one of the most important ones is active recovery. And what I mean by this is walking, just movement, 
getting blood flow to our bodies. And to me, sleep, nutrition, and active recovery are the three most important methods of recovery. If you can nail those down, I think you're golden. Yeah. And and I think that's a lot of times, obviously we harp on, you know, getting your steps for fat loss and weight loss. But I think just in general for your body to, to be able to move and have blood flow, something like walking is huge. And that's why we encourage the amount of, you know, the 10,000 steps or whatever that, you know, magical number is for you. Uh, That's why we encourage it. Not just because of, uh, you know, it'll help you lose weight, et cetera, just get that extra movement, but it'll help you after your workouts. It'll help you keep the blood flow, keep your body moving. There's so things that go with that too. I try to remind my people, like, we always think like we're just going out for a walk, but it's like, okay, you're, you're getting out, you're getting in the sunlight. That's helping you reset for sleep. Um, you know, positive interaction with other people as you walk, if you form a walk group with your work. Mental health. Yeah, it impacts your mental health, your ability yeah. to kind of wind at the end of the day, which is going to impact your sleep again, which is your recovery. So it's not ever just a walk. Like, it's, it's contributing to so many other things. So, um, yeah, I definitely use that with clients two to three times a, you know, a week, if we're having, you know, if we have an off day, it's not sitting on the couch. It's let's, yeah. let's get four or 5,000 steps in, you know, if you're working that office, get up and walk around. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And then some other ones we want to talk about, uh, massage. That's probably one of the other, you know, popular methods. Going uh, tomorrow. You're going tomorrow. Yeah. There you go. See, you're a prime See? example. Trying to recover, man. <laughs> like- <laughs> kids are beating you down but for me like massage you know at every couple months whatever you know it's it's more of probably just personal preference i probably should get them more often than i do um but hey regardless it's a it's a good recovery method uh and then mobility uh i think that's a great one and i think more people should focus on mobility i think it's also one of those underrated uh recovery methods and uh, I think I, I referenced Dr. Andrew Locke, who's actually a physiotherapist in Australia. And if you don't have, if you have Instagram, I encourage you to follow him uh, because he is a great person to follow just for injuries in general, but he just gives some fantastic advice as far as, you know, injury-free training and just how to take care of our bodies. But he talks about, every day taking our body and joints through our different ranges of motion. Almost kind of, you know, kind of how we talk about, you know, you got to oil the door hinge, make sure it's working good. Mm -hmm. Same idea. Take your body through those ranges of motion, those joints through the different, you know, motions that we do to just kind of keep your body working. All right. So we don't get too stiff or old. Um, but I think that's one thing that people need to focus on as well is the mobility aspect. And I think it's becoming more popular. It doesn't mean people are doing it all correct. But I do feel like I'm seeing that more and more in the gyms, people running through mobility drills early in their workout or between big lifts, like their squats or whatever. Yeah. Or, um, and if you're confused, on you definitely reach out to one of us. But, you know, just even looking up mobility, like, hip mobility or you know ankle mobility if you're having pain in those areas it's worth just googling and running through a few short drills that you can come up with um just in some of the first results there but yeah i think my best 
my healthiest lifts were whenever my mobility was in check. Yeah, agreed. Um, yes. And my pain-free. Exactly. And yeah. then most people were probably whenever I was at my strongest and not taking care of my body. So zero recovery and not working on, you know, mobility at all. Then <laughs> press like crazy. But then two, three weeks later, everything fell apart. I would have been better off working on mobility and taking it. Um, and I would have gone a lot further for sure. Yeah, yeah agreed. Uh, another one I want to talk about, deload weeks. I don't know if you program these for yourself or for people. Um, I don't really program them a lot for people, honestly, uh, just because of their frequency of workout just is that much. Uh, you know, they only work out two or three times a week with me. So there's really no point in having a deload week. But for maybe someone like ourselves, uh, you know, who does have a little bit more workout frequency, five, six days a week. Basically, what a deload week is, is we are taking time off, you are cutting the workout volume in half, as well as your load. So it's lighter loads, and half of their workout volume, uh, right. especially just to keep your joints healthy, especially if you are lifting heavy, because uh, over time, obviously, you know, your joints are going to take a hit regardless, even if you are doing mobility and stuff, they're still going to be affected. Uh, so taking those deload weeks, to me, is a good thing. And I would say recommend for most people probably every 12 weeks. going to say 12. Yeah, every three months, take a deload week. Um, I it is a tough thing mentally, uh, to be honest with you, because as a person who likes to go in the gym and crush it, when you take that deload week and you're not doing as much weight and you're not doing as much work, it kind of messes you up psychologically because you do want to get back to, you know, your normal workouts, pushing the weight you do, et cetera, challenging yourself, but just realize like this is going to help you down the road. Yep. This is further. Yep. Yeah. Uh, you're planning more for future than, you know, the present time. Uh, so just realize that. Okay. And then Nat, I think the last one we want to talk about is full rest days. And I'm talking where we do nothing. This is the sit on the couch day. Um, how often uh, would be my question. And uh, to me, it's an individual basis. Ooh, uh, that kind of goes back to even what you're saying with deload weeks. Like, if you're always taking Saturday and Sunday off because you like weekend off or yeah. you, have, you have a mini vacation every four weeks, like I don't know that you need a full rest day then because you're, you're kind of naturally taking it at some point. Yeah. I think this is reserved for like that higher end, you know, intense athlete working out or maybe somebody prone, maybe somebody prone to we could throw that in there. Yeah. Um, you know, monitor yourself and day off. What else, what's the last day? Uh, time you you sat on the couch all day and did absolutely nothing that's a good question man <laughs> uh, it's well, probably been, it's been so long i can't think of it and, yeah. and like speaking of taking like full rest days or even longer you know there, I, I don't know if it still goes around but there used to be the whole thing if you need to take a week off of working out every year like that was kind of like you know that little thing like you need to take a full week off i have never taken a full week off that wasn't forced like through injury right. or something like that Right. I have taken weekends off, you know, through travel or whatever. But I mean, I even lift on vacation, which is probably dumb to some people, but whatever. Um, but to me, if you take like a full rest day, it's 
based up it's an individual basis in the sense of like your body is just so beat up you're just not feeling it yep right like that to me is when you take that day if you purposely take a week off you know i mean by all means go for it if you want to i just think like if your body is just getting beat up and you know, your sleep is bad, your nutrition's bad, all that stuff is, I mean, it's probably going to pile up eventually and you may have to. But if all those things are in check and you just have a day where you're just dead for no reason, I mean, go for it. Every once in a while, it's fine. Yeah. I feel like you hit that maybe whenever, like what you said, like everything's kind of hit the fan. Because, you know, again, we're talking about stressors in your life. It's not just the gym. Your body doesn't get to differentiate. I mean, you know, yeah. your your boss you out, family, and you worked out. Yeah. Um, those are all different stresses, and that can bring you down too. So, whenever you think about, do I need rest? Yes or no? Don't just think of what you did in the gym. Like, what else is going on? Um, and then I would encourage people if you really feel like you need a full rest day like that, see if you can still get out for that walk. I mean, some, some yeah is going to benefit you more than just a couch day. I that's, know that's. That's what I've had a conversation with two clients of is, you know, they were saying, oh, we're going to do something every day. And I was like, don't do that. I was like, take some rest days. And they're like, what do you mean rest day? And I was like, I don't want you to lift. And I really, I, you don't need to do cardio, but I do want you to walk. I do want you to move. Yeah. Right. Same thing. Like we talked about before, like get some blood flow, you know, don't be lazy on the couch. I mean, if you are, okay, but you're going to feel better if you are up and moving around, all mm-hmm. right? So, full rest days, eh, maybe not. Yeah, maybe Christmas Day, that's about it. Oh, we're lifting on Christmas Day, come on. Usually. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we're going to kind of switch gears. We're going to still talk about methods of recovery. But we're going to we're going to talk what I'm calling the overrated methods of recovery. Overrated. Oh, boy. All right. And this is something that has just been driving me nuts of late. So this is what I want to talk about. And people are probably going to be like, you are out of your mind because I love doing this. Well, that's great. There's nothing wrong. I think one of the most overrated recovery methods is stretching. And this is why. First of all, let me preface it with this. If you love stretching or have the goal of increasing your flexibility, by all means, stretch. Uh, To me, most people just stretch because it's a temporary feel-good sensation, Mm -hmm. right? At least as far as I know, most people don't have the goal of actually increasing flexibility. Right. Um, I don't know too many people who are like that uh, personally, nor do I have clients like that. Um, but the number one thing I get when people are constantly stretching and they stretch on the daily and it's kind of mindless stretching. And I'm like, why are you stretching? Well, because, and the reason is they come, they say, because I'm tight. Mm -hmm. It hurts. Yeah. I'm like, okay, do you know why you're tight? Typically the answer is no. All right. So let's talk about tightness. And there are, pretty much I like to say three results of tightness first one is let's use an an exercise for an example you work out with a client 
you do Romanian deadlifts, next day or two, their hamstrings are tight. That's a good thing in the sense of the muscle that we just worked is now the one that is tight, okay? The hamstring in this case. That's not a bad thing. It's a good thing, all right? Because that tells us the one that we just worked is actually the one that is tight. So that is a good thing, all right? Other two results of tightness can be protection. And here I want to talk about the low back, which is probably the most common, especially with today, people sitting at a desk, sitting in the office all day, you're at home all day, etc. A lot of people complain about low back tightness. And I'm, I'm sure we've all tweaked our back at some point, pulled it, etc., trying to pick up something. What happens? Your low back becomes tight. And what I constantly see is people like, well, I was stretching. I'm like, no, no, no. This is the time that you don't actually want to stretch because the tightness that is in your low back in this case is now being, it's protective of that region. It is limiting your range of motion and your movement for a reason. So stretching is actually weakening what we are trying to protect and is now making you even more vulnerable for more injury or a more serious injury. So one of my pet peeves is people coming into the gym and the first thing that they do and clients do this sometimes is they're like, my low back is tight, I'm going to stretch. I'm like, no, you don't need to stretch because the exercises that we are going to do, if you now stretch and take away what is tightening and protecting that area, now we loosen it up your potential for injury is now increased. Right. You're going to go back and probably repeat the same movement that exactly. got you. Yeah. Exactly. So tightness and uh, protection. So do not stretch if you have that case. Okay, please do not stretch. I don't know how many times I have to harp on this. Uh, a second result of tightness is weakness. Okay. Let us, let's stick with the same Romanian deadlift example. All right. A lot of people, and I'm sure you've had this as well, clients say, well, I feel my low back is getting tight on Romanian deadlifts or any form of deadlift. Right. Okay. So in this case, the low back is now doing the majority of the work. All right. And the other muscles that we want to be using in this case, Romanian deadlift, the hamstrings and the glutes are not contributing like they should be. That is why you have tightness in your low back. It is also due to weakness in other areas. In this case, hamstrings and glutes. So yep. when people complain, and I, have, I, do, I do have a client like this and I have to constantly remind him, he says he has a low back issue. He has a weak low back. Personally, I don't think he does. <laughs> and and that's, that's not to say he's wrong, but in watching him do exercises and just working him with so long, his glutes and his hamstrings have been weak, which have been causing the low back to tighten up on hinge exercises like Romanian deadlifts, et cetera. So he just equates that with, I have a bad low back. Right. Okay. So in that case, we don't want to stretch. We actually are low back. We actually want to work on our weaknesses and strengthen those weaknesses up. So in this Romanian deadlift case, the glutes are weak, 
we want to work on glute strength. So let's pick an exercise like hip thrusts that are going to help us increase our glute strength and help us get strong through hip extension, which is helping us in the Romanian deadlift. So strengthening those weaknesses is actually going to fix your tightness, not stretching whatever is tight. Right. Does, no, that, make, does that make sense? I agree with it. I think yeah. the only the only area I ever see a client speak up and get this right is whenever the I have clients sometimes tell me like my back is bothering me and I think it's from a weak core. And yes. that is part of it. Or they're correcting the fact that their core is not engaged in that movement. Yes. But like I said in your example, that's like the only two that I see people identify as weak core and back pain. Most yes. people don't oh, my, my glutes are weak or my hamstrings. That's something that, as a coach we can point out. Correct. And then we get them moving with that first. You know, we prime those muscles before they go to that lift, and all of a sudden the pain is alleviated. The glutes are firing, hamstrings yeah. are It wasn't because we stretched out the back. It's we got the yes. right, um, like almost a chain reaction of working in yeah. the back. That way it's not all just dependent on the back. And like, just to give you an example, overhearing a guy in the gym the other day, he's been complaining to his trainer about his shoulder hurting. And he's like, every day I stretch. And I'm just like, I'm like, dude, the stretching isn't going to help. Like, it's going to give you a great feeling for about 30 seconds. And you're not actually addressing the issue. Right. So, you know, same thing, like, if you want to stretch because you like it and it feels great, good. But my suggestion would also be like, maybe figure out why you're tight. Mm -hmm. You know, and I know that's a lot to think about for a lot of people. Like, ah, oh, it's just one more thing I have to think about. But it also helps if you do have a trainer like ourselves, be like, all right, I'm tight here. You can go back, look maybe at your workouts and be like, okay, we did this. So maybe this is why it's tight. Or critiquing exercise form. Your low back is tight. Well, your hamstrings and glutes may not be as strong. So maybe we need to tweak some things there. And then, you know, protection. Like if something gets tweaked or hamstring, low back, whatever, don't stretch it. Right. To me, and this goes back to our active recovery discussion. To me, the best thing is active recovery. This is just a personal experience. So it's completely anecdotal, but I haven't stretched or foam rolled in like a year and a half, <laughs> right? But I also feel great. And I, I personally attribute to that to the fact that I walk so much now. Yeah. Like I am walking a ton. I am getting a lot of blood flow. And what I told my clients that, and I have a client who really loves stretching. He's like a big fan of stretching. He's, he's like, you don't stretch? Like what's wrong with you? And I'm like, honestly, I, I never feel the need to stretch. And I honestly, as, as just a personal experience, I haven't been tight mm -hmm. like I have in the past because I am doing so much walking and so much active recovery. I don't need to stretch, right? My movement is so great now that I don't have to. And that's just a personal example. You know, I'd agree with that. Like, I think whenever everything is on, I don't, I don't stretch unless it's like, I'm just chilling at home and I want like, it's just like comes to my, okay, let's just like stretch out like calves or something. It's, it's going to be foam rolling for me, yeah. but the big thing too, that you do that more of a should, cause I see it every time we go to work out is your mobility work right before your workout. Every yeah. time working on shoulders, like yeah. 
stretching. It's it's different. You're taking um you know like a weight through a range of motion. Correct. Priming that muscle, you're you know priming those joints, getting them ready to lift. Uh, it's not just stretching. And in fact, I think there's a lot of research. You know, I don't want to tell anybody not to stretch exactly, but I think there's a lot of research pointing towards stretching before your workout. Decrease lifts by sometimes. No, you are correct. Uh, going back to the Andrew Lack guy, I was listening to a podcast with him, and he's big on not stretching, you know, mindlessly. Uh, and I think he referenced in that podcast, it was like a, a research paper done on like Olympic lifters. And he said that they took, you know, two different groups and one didn't stretch, one did. And we're talking, you know, static stretching. And the static stretching group, their performance went down. Right. Yeah. They just, they, you know, they, they weren't able to, uh, you know, perform at a high level. And, you know, same thing. We're not telling you not to stretch, but it's not optimal before a workout. Mm -hmm. Right. Great. In that, in that case, my thing is once again, work on your active recovery, work on your walking, maybe hop on the bike or whatever, just get some blood flow before you work out, move, right? Like we, like you said, take your body through movements and your joints through movements that you're going to perform in that workout. If you, if you're doing squats, do some body weight squats, you know, get your body through that range of motion and through that, uh, instead of just statically stretching your hips out and hoping that it's going to fix your hip mobility mm -hmm. and hoping, you know, that you're going to feel good. Yeah, definitely. Like we're not saying don't warm up, but no, no, no. movements. And one Prime, of the things yeah. to do, I just with my clients, if I know we're going to squat or deadlift, like I usually have them come in, we're going to body weight squats. Um, inverted rows, like a Smith machine, pull the body, squeeze yep. back, drop the Smith machine bar down, push-ups, kind of push through, get the shoulders loose, chest active, get the legs active. It's easy. Just squat, pull, um, and prime those muscles before you actually lift or push with them. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Any other forms of recovery that you can think of that are, you know, good or maybe overrated? I think ice baths are overrated, but that's just because I did them for, you know, so long. No, I, I agree. I agree with that because, you know, we had to do it for uh, basketball. Yeah. I, we, did them, we did them every day. Um, I, I do know research lately. Here's, here's just a little nerd stuff. If you are looking to build muscle, ice baths actually inhibit that. Like, yeah. So if your goal is to build muscle, don't take ice baths because it actually – doesn't help you yep but now I'll, I'll agree with that i i did it i did it long enough it was i don't think it's worth it so with injury maybe the time spent and what you could be doing with that time yeah. I, I i throw it out and like i get it most of the people who do that stuff are you know ridiculously high athletes you know crossfitters who work out eight times a day you know I get that they do that, but you know, for just general population, yeah, I don't, I don't see the need, right? Um, but yeah, anything else you can think of? Uh, I'm trying to think. You mentioned foam rolling. Uh, You're not big on it. I'm not a huge. Same thing. I'm not big on it. I do. Let me put it this way: I use a foam roller to work on like back extension and flexion, but I don't, I don't roll out like at all either. And I once again contribute that to the walking 
Right. I, I just don't feel super tight anymore where I used to. No joke. I mean, like, I didn't walk that much. My step count was below 5,000 a day. And my quads and my legs were always tight. So I would always stretch and I would always foam roll. But now last year and a half that I've increased, I, I just don't do it anymore because I don't feel that constant tightness. Yep. So. That's but, where I choose one or the other. Because I get a lot of office workers that um, they're not going to go for a walk. They're not going to walk after a meal. They don't want to break sweat. They're not going to go home and walk. So those are the people I'd say, hey, in your living room tonight, foam roll. That's, yeah. that's Right. You're going to have to get something out of it. Yeah. You're going to have to choose one or the other. Um, I like foam rolling for that reason, though. I think right now in this phase of life, too, like I don't have to leave the room. I don't have to walk away from the family or the business. Like yeah. I can roll, you know, quietly 30 minutes at night, make sure everybody's okay. But I, I shouldn't go walk down the street and leave everybody hanging. Um, and I've seen great benefits from it, too. If you've never run a good foam rolling routine, try it out and try the walking. I more benefits though just to getting out and getting your, your walking in like we said yeah the interaction with other people but choose choose one of them don't don't neglect you know both yeah no no and i would say like once again nail down your sleep your eating and your active recovery and then you can sprinkle in the other stuff from time to time but if you do those first three consistently you're you're gonna yeah. be good you're gonna be good to go uh, just in general, you know, not including just outside stuff that you're going to have to deal with, you know, from everyday life. Uh, so just the eating and the sleep and the uh, active recovery. But I would say we pretty much covered everything. Yeah. Look, looking at the notes. Yes, we use notes. Mm -hmm. The only other thing I would say that it comes up, is you know I, I'll just say like what's what's going on with your sleep we'll talk about it and what usually helps them and if you need some place to start is like build a sleep routine you touched on it or you're going to bed at the same time waking up at the same time yeah and you you may be saying right now well I like to stay up and watch you know, Lakers games at 10 30 nights and then other nights like how much does this really mean to you and yeah you, you need to get a routine yeah bed by 10 to get your eight hours of sleep at nine you need to be preparing for that so yeah and and that's that's just to give an example that's what i do yeah like i get in bed i mean you said eight twenty-eight or whatever that time was the other day i get in bed these days no joke eight thirty to nine yep because i also want to wind down mentally i can't do the whole well it's time for bed it's ten thirty. hop in bed fall asleep i kind of have to wind down and give my body that time to you know, taper down and mentally kind of shut off as well. So I get to, I get in bed early. I mean, it's a total grandpa move, but I really don't care. So. <laughs> I, and that's the thing. Like I, I would argue anybody that says they can like watch Netflix and be eating bad food and shut it off and jump in bed. They may <sighs> quickly. It's not going to be anywhere. The kind of sleep you will get air for bed and give yourself yeah. time to recover. Yeah. No. Agreed. Totally agree. Well, hey, we're sleep podcast after this. <laughs> I, I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I do love my sleep. I really do, and mostly because not just because I like to, because I like to sleep. It's because I think of all the other factors that I have to go through, like yourself. How you were like, all right, I have to prepare for tomorrow, whatever it may bring, through work, through kids, 
I don't have to deal with that, obviously, but I think of it more through the work aspect, my workout. <laughs> that's you know, Actions, all of that. that. Yeah, like that's how I think of, oh, that's why I want to get good sleep. I, I could care less about staying up late and watching Netflix. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, you know, so... Of course, you with the foam roll and you Netflix and foam roll. Yeah, it's not too bad. It's a good combo. Yeah, uh, that's the new term now. <laughs> All right, dude. Well, I think we covered pretty much everything. Good, man. It was good to get back. I think we did cover everything. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, just to wrap up, like, please focus on your recovery. And I think a lot of times you have to focus more on your recovery than you have to focus on your training. Uh, because if that is not in check, your training's not going to be in check. Uh, and, you know, your results may slow down and they may suffer altogether. Uh, so focus on those things, and especially sleep, nutrition, and then just getting out and moving, active recovery. If you can nail those down, I think you're going to be good to go. All right, man. All right. Well, welcome back. Yeah, it's nice to be back, man. All right. We'll be back, we'll be back next month.